There are countless times in my life that I have felt like I made myself small to accommodate somebody else, which is why I started this podcast, Space Not Taken, so we can reflect on the times that we surrendered space we shouldn't have, and we can learn from those occasions where we reclaimed space that probably was ours to begin with. I am your host, Kelsey Tony, and I am so excited today to be here with one of my very best friends on this entire planet, Tamika Young. Tamika is an incredibly intelligent writer with this beautiful style that just makes you laugh so hard. Every single sentence I've ever read of hers has made me laugh. And she's also this pop culture enthusiast. She always knows all of the best things to talk about, all the juiciest details of all the things. And it's very exciting to be her friend. So Tamika, thank you so much for being here today and talking with me a little bit. Um, when I first told Tamika about the idea for this show. I remember asking her if I was alone in these feelings, <laughs> right? Am I alone in feeling like I have surrendered all of this space that I shouldn't have in my life? And luckily, Tamika and I are the same person. <laughs> emotionally at least, right? We have so, so much in common. And it meant that she was able to say, no, for sure, I have felt that way. And when I asked, what are some of the ways that you have felt like you didn't quite take up the space that you should have, she had a few like really specific examples. So I was excited to ask her to come today and share a little bit about that. So Tamika, do you want to sort of jump in? You can tell us a little bit about yourself if you want, or maybe how you got interested in writing and how this all connects to the space that you either haven't taken or are learning to take up more. Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. Um, this is very exciting. Um, I'm excited to, um, to talk about this because I think it's really important that um, we all sort of understand that this is a un very universal feeling. Um, and yeah. it's great to, um, you know, just sort of not feel alone in um, feeling not seen. And then that causes you to feel afraid to, um, you know, make yourself be seen um, and take up space. So um, I've, um, been a writer for my entire life and you know since i learned how to write i always loved um writing stories writing essays you know anything um and i was always told that i was good at it you know by teachers and um you know various people who would read the things i wrote and so i felt like okay well this is what i'm supposed to do um and somehow you know, throughout the course of my life, I had always sort of just allowed um, other, you know, negative voices to, or really negative influences to keep me from uh, pursuing it as a career. And I um, just in this last uh, couple of years or, or so, uh, have just sort of made the decision to um, like shut out those negative voices and to really treat my writing um, like the extension of me that it is and not like, you know, just some, you know, pie in the sky dream that yeah. I can watch happen for other people and not myself. Yeah. And so, yes, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting time. Yeah. And it's difficult to tune out 
the negative voices, right? I think writers are, <laughs> I mean, all of us are a little nutty and we're all so susceptible to those negative, those negative voices, even the ones that are actually truly not at all real. <laughs> like there's never been a person in my personal experience who's looked at my writing and been like, you're horrible and everything you've ever written has no value at all. No one actually says that, but it is still this totally paralyzing fear sometimes. And our friend group is particularly interesting because we are friends with people who have done the thing. Like you now have many friends who are traditionally published authors. I mean, that's a very interesting place to be in. A lot of people like want to be writers, but like it all feels very far away and like theoretical, <laughs> but not for you. It's not theoretical. Not theoretical at all. And I mean, I have friends who've been really successful um, and friends who, you know, haven't been as successful as they, you know, would have hoped or, you know, it's like really runs the gamut. And um, it's been interesting being on sort of this side of the fence because I mean, we're talking about like the last 10 years of, um, you know, seeing my friends go from, you know, having the idea to write and then all of a sudden they are asking for beta readers and then in the query process and then in the, um, you know, submission process. So, like, I've seen that happen, and for me, <laughs> because I was too busy, you know, uh, listening to the negative voices, uh, minus bug season, um, that I just consistently felt like, okay, well, this is, this is happening for them, but this wouldn't happen for me. So did, I have to know, is there a place, was there a moment? Was there, like, one moment? that you, cause you've been writing the whole time. Was it like a singular moment where you were like, I can't show someone this or um, has it just grown? Yeah, I think it was over just, time? it's just, it was the initial fear because I have friends who are writers reading the things that they wrote made me feel incredibly intimidated. Um, also reading the things that they wrote and you know, recognizing the fact that most of them were white women writing about white women or white people. Um, and that wasn't what I was writing. You know, I was writing about about black women or black people. So it kind of just made me feel more like, well, this isn't um, this isn't something that, you know, I'm able to do because um, the signs of like success for a black woman writing romance about black people, um, you know, we're not there. Uh, there's certainly some, but they weren't as lauded. I feel like only, only black people knew how to find books written by black people. Yeah. I, I think the discourse in publishing is very fresh. Like our confronting the racism in publishing is very, very fresh. This is not something that has been like, like people have been like trying to fix the problems for decades. Like this is all very, very new. Even just like recognizing some other racism in publishing is very, very, very new. Mm -hmm. 
because it was brought up and you know people had things to say about it and there was discourse about it but you know it didn't necessarily move the needle um but it's only been you know since 2020 that it has been vocalized and you know like a conversation has been created and it still in three years hasn't moved the needle much but i can see um as a black person who looks for books written by black people that there has been a huge shift and i just attended a book conference at the Stimulant uh, convention um i keep calling it a conference you know because i feel like that makes it sound um you know giving more panache um but it was just you know like a bunch of women who love reading romance romance novels um all in the same place at one time so it was a lot of estrogen and it was wonderful um but that is the highest um, concentration of writers of color that i have ever seen at any sort of book event and it was really really remarkable and um left an indelible like impression on me and gave me so much hope um as a writer because i'm talking to women who are my age who look like me who are writing books about you know like women who are in love with monsters <laughs> and um and they're successful and they have like this huge following um and yeah that maybe that just gives me a lot of hope so that's kind of like why i'm in the space where i am now because i'm like yeah there's a there's a place for, there's a place for me here and if i get there you know by publishing traditionally or you know either way there's space for me there's space for me and there's space for the story to be told yeah yeah i, I did not believe that five years ago do you think that you could identify a few of the things that helped you step into that space like what were the things that pushed you into motion that made you feel like you could step into this space that you deserve to step into well therapy was super helpful um, yeah so yay for therapy yay um, for therapy yeah shout out to my therapist because she's been um ride or die <laughs> through, through quite a bit oh my god yeah and then also I, I don't think that I was ever sad just kind of resigned um I just kind of felt like well this is just the way that this is going to be I um didn't grow up in an environment where when where being a writer was encouraged um, it was more so oh you're good at English okay well then you can be a teacher you know and that, that sort of thing um like having a steady job having you know benefits things like that um my grandmother once told me um when I brought home um I think I want I want to say it was like almost straight A's on my report card um she told me that I was incredibly smart and that I should work for the city when I grew up um because that was you know her frame of reference yeah. um you know going to college wasn't encouraged it was you know like if, if, if you want to go you can you know but so that side of me you know was never um you know highlighted it was highlighted that i that i read a lot um because that was a sign of me you know being smart um and that was literally in my mom's 
you know, like, you know, quick two minutes about me when she would introduce me to people. She reads yeah. so many books. Anytime I was sort of, um, because like you said, writers were a little nutty. So any, a huge side of my personality is that I'm a little nutty. I'm a little quirky. I'm a little, um, you know, left of center. <laughs> I'm not what you expect. If you um, were to tell someone, oh, let me introduce you to my friend, Tamika. She lives in LA. Um, I'm pretty sure that there is an idea that people would have of a Black woman named Tamika from LA. I am not that. I have never been that, even though now the name Tamika is a bit outdated, like, you know, Maude or, or Mildred or something. Um, and so probably only middle-aged Black women are named Tamika now. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just gone away. It'll, it'll resurge again, maybe in 20 years, when people are like, I want to name her after my grandmother. Oh my God. <laughs> But you have the the Tamikas have such a strong legacy of being in full effect, you know. Yes, for sure, for sure, yeah. always, 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 um, always, always. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, because I'm you know not exactly. I've never been exactly what people expected me to be. Um, that was never encouraged. Like that part of my first personality. Um, you know, my enthusiasm for things or you know, the fact that I have a ridiculous amount of pop culture knowledge, um, things like that. You know, I was, you know, made to feel weird for, you know, having those, those aspects to my personality. Um, and, you know, the fact that I, you know, very much have a valley voice and, um, you know, I used to say sound just like you very more, but I feel like that's, you know, it's not possible. It's not, it's not so given the current time um, but yeah, like I do, <laughs> um, but I do, um, so, um, so I always felt like I needed to keep that part of myself to myself, like not be too much, not be so much, not shine because it made other people feel negatively about themselves. I, you know, felt like that about uh, like my father, my stepfather, um, my cousin, ex-cousin, um, and like I noticed that that was a pattern with me, that I often um, ended up with people who wanted to build my shine um, or didn't appreciate the facets of my personality that made me me. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks to, you know, being a mother, raising a daughter, um, and steering her away from, from that same sort of thinking, it really helped me, um, you know, figure out how to take up space, like, in my own life, how to be really the main character in my life, because I was always, like, okay, just being on the sidelines, um, and hyping up everyone else, and, and like, genuinely hyping up everyone else and being so excited when things happen for people. I mean, you mentioned that how I was in your wedding. Um, but I've been a bridesmaid 14 times. It's like a movie. They should make a movie about that. I know. I'm Because I'm, I'm always here to hype other people up. And But I realized in doing that that I was taking a, taking a side role in my own life and letting other people's success and happiness, you know, 
outside my own. Yeah. Um, and so once I realized that that's what I was doing, um, because, you know, being a people pleaser, um, like what you like me, everything, everything I've done, you're excited. I've done such a good job. Oh my goodness. Put it in my veins. It, I, I've never felt like more of an addict than I am when I, when I'm getting a compliment. I mean, it is like, just put it in my veins. Someone tells me something nice about me and I'm just like, give me more. It is the blood in my body. Just give me more. There, you more can't like give enough detail, you know, like, ugh. Yeah. But like, I need to be that person for myself. I need to be my own type woman and I need to be complimenting myself. And why wasn't I doing that? Yeah. What was stopping me from doing that? Yeah. There's been a lot more discourse in the last few years about like be your own best friend and would you say that to another person in your life of course not then why are you saying it to yourself I feel like we've had a lot more of those conversations like pop culturally in the last few years and even just like the rise of the phrase like main character energy has like been such a transformative phrase for me I have always like hoped that I was worthy of a, a starring role but I didn't actually think that I had earned it so I didn't like take it you know like who's casting this show like who do what who'd have to suck up to to get cast as a main character in my own life like I shouldn't have to try and like schmooze to a casting director to be my own main character you know right. and that's hysterical to me that you say that because I feel like if you looked up main character energy in the dictionary like your face would be right there <laughs> It's, but that's the problem, isn't it? Like, that's literally the whole point is that someone else might see you as this person who's got tons of confidence or whatever. And if you don't feel it, if it, if, if it's really actually shallow and thin and like only held up by the like straw spindles of other people's approval, it's not real. It's not lasting and it doesn't mean anything. Um, so it's really, inspiring i think to think about how i've i've watched you over the last couple of years and even more in the last few months specifically like you have been stepping out in a very real very visible way and i can only imagine that you've been met with nothing but positive responses from most of the people that you've allowed to see this yeah everybody's like oh my god you're amazing right I mean, like, yeah, that's, like, oh my that's goodness. the thing. Yeah, oh my goodness. Well, what's happening? Well, what are you doing? Oh my goodness, you look so good. Or, you know, your face looks so bright. You look so happy. I'm, uh, I'm having a, a lot of comments like that. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's just funny the things that, that sort of shift your perspective. I feel like um, going to see uh, Beyonce, like that show was life-changing for me. It was transformative. And, and I mean, I, I'm not even being hyperbolic when I say that, like it really, really was to see someone who is at the peak of their, like she is the bar, like she literally says it, she's the bar. Yeah. And to see her perform and in her element, you see why she's the bar. That mic was on for three hours and I, like, I can't even handle it. Yeah. I, can't even, I just keep thinking about it. I wake up every day and I miss her. 
like remember remember when we were together and it was oh my gosh remember when we spent we spent all that time together and you were singing and we were having such a good time and you were so beautiful on your, on your outfit yeah he's like yeah so, it's a, so for me i'm just like why am i not the bar exactly why why am i not like because i because i am the bar exactly why am I not? I, as you were saying it, I was like, you're the bar, you're the bar. Like it is. And getting to that point is definitely the challenge, right? That's, that's the goal. That's what, that's what this endeavor is all about, right? Is trying to just gather up little bits of information that hopefully we can put in our pockets and save and remember like, oh yeah, I listened to that podcast where that girl was talking about how like Beyonce's the bar. And then she's like, no, I'm the bar. And like, I can do that too. Like that's, that's the hope, right? Well, I hate to cut our conversation short. I know we can always talk for hours and hours on end, but I'll ask if you have any parting words before we close it out. Any last like little tidbits of information or words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with listeners before you sign off for today? You know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And getting to this place is really awesome. Getting to the place where you are enthusiastic about taking up space. Like it is such a high, um, but you know it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight, and like it, it's something that you have to work at. And um, you know, like the marathon continues. I love it. Well, I have no doubt that you'll be on my show again sometime soon because you're gonna be. You're going to be a regular. I can feel it in my bones. Um, and you know, I love you so, so much. So thank you again for being here today. <laughs> well, thanks everybody so much for listening in to us today. And I am so excited to bring you next week's episode. I think it's going to be another really great one. So make sure that you are subscribed so that you don't miss an episode. Uh, again, I'm Kelsey Tony. Thanks so much for hanging out with me and I'll see you next time. Bye. 